Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And today I've got guest Javier, uh, author Javier, with me today. Welcome. Hi, right, thank you so much for having me on. No doubt, no doubt. It's good to have you on. Now, the first thing that I'm going to bring up is, is it pronounced Icrawla? It's not Ikea. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not Ikea. It's legally, distinctively not Ikea. Excellent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I went out and uh, was looking for a good word in Swedish that kind of had the feel. And it turns out that Kralla means crawl. And this oh. whole thing is like one gigantic liminal horror dungeon crawl that's procedurally generated. So I was like so happy when they gave me that. I was starting with I creepa and creepa is like crypt. Yeah. And that was nice, but you know, this is a crawl. I appreciate that. That's pretty that's pretty witty. <laughs> so tell us a bit. So this is liminal horror. If you haven't, if yes. you're not familiar with liminal horror, I suggest y'all check it out because I think it's a great game. And tell us a bit about what you've done here, because it looks like you've got a dungeon crawl and an IKEA. And that sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, my thing is, when I first moved to this country, I constantly had this feeling of, like, I'm going to break something and they're going to kick me out. Yeah. So especially, like, Ikeas and malls and stuff like that were, like, extra stressful. And, yeah, this is basically playing up on that stress. You're trapped in an Ikea. You're basically going floor after floor after floor looking for the uh, parking. You know, what happened <laughs> to your car? And... Usually you're playing this with, you know, three, four, five friends. So what's happened is that the lights went out. And when they came back on, it was just the five of you. You don't know each other. In our test games, like one of us was from Utah and one of us was from Arizona. And, you know, we all had very, very different backgrounds and conflicts and stuff. So it's just like random people banding together and dealing with, you know, the subtle and then the like really loud horrors that this place has. So here's the thing. I have, I don't know how often I've said this, but I have a... I don't like going to stores. I, I have oh. an issue with it. And the bigger the store, the more intimidating it is for me, the more anxiety I have. I've been to Ikea a few times and it's rough. Like they got a maze trapping you in that place. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Well, in my original intro about these like liminal places was going to be about how like they put as many barriers between you getting in and out as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, while you're here, have a meal while you're here. Check out a presentation, take a survey. And then it's like, it didn't make the cut, but it's like, that's definitely the feel. You're going to be here for days and days. <laughs> Forever. I get a little claustrophobic in that situation. I can start yeah. to panic and I want out. <laughs> that is so and basically, oh, go ahead. Uh, so I was going to say, so tell us a little bit more about uh, about the crawl and, and what and what all you can expect to find while we're in there. Yeah. Stuck in Ikea. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Icrawla. So it just started as an idea, and uh, I ran it originally with just a bare bones Dungeons and Dragons system. You know, the six attributes and roll a d20 and roll under for pretty much everything. And then I discovered Liminal Horror, and I'm like, okay, let's try this again, but with fallouts. Let's try this again with stress. Let's try this again with the like uh, Karn uh, survival rules that like move migrated into liminal horror yeah. and it's like it just sang it just became a completely different animal so while people are there they're basically looking for food they're looking for shelter um they're being occasionally attacked by these furniture mimics which <laughs> essentially look like cheap disposable furniture but they have teeth 
And, you know, they're ambushed predators. I mean, it's a chair that's going to bite your ass when you sit down. I do have some of that cheap disposable Ikea furniture in my house. (laughs) Most of mine is secondhand. So it's like, you know, it wasn't in great shape to begin with. (laughs) That stuff doesn't doesn't last long. No, no, no. But, you know, one or two good whacks of a hammer in this game and they'll go down. (laughs) That sounds appropriate. (laughs) And then like kind of like the secret behind everything is that there's also these mannequins that are like imitating human behavior. Oh, I love and it. And they're completely non-aggressive. So, like, let's say you go into a dining room. There'll be a family of them pretending to eat. And if you join in, they'll, like, <laughs> you know, pretend to hang out with you and stuff. It's Unless you attack them, they're 100% safe. But the furniture attacking them. And these guys in, like, jerseys that say Jaguars on them are attacking <laughs> them. And the whole thing is based on the Popol Vuh, which is the Mayan uh, Bible. Oh. And there were, like, these, yeah, there was these different suns, like, these different eras of Earth. And one of them, they created men out of wood, but the men were like slow and dumb and they couldn't worship the gods. So the gods sent the jaguars to like kill them and they sent a flood. But most importantly, all their household objects attacked them. So like the tortilla press that started like snapping at them and the grinding stones started grinding their faces off and the turkeys and dogs attacked them and stuff. And I was like, this is the story right here. This is what I'm trying to like (laughs) sneak into a role playing game. That's pretty cool. I appreciate that. I, I'm curious where I can go to read more about that, it's outside, even outside yeah. the context of the game. No, it's just a Popol Vuh. I was obsessed with it as a kid because uh, my sister had a lot of science fiction books, and she had one with a – it was like some woman who runs off with the toaster. Yeah. But in the intro, it references the Popol Vuh. So I started reading it when I was like a religiously curious teenager. Mm-hmm. And it like it has like – basically the stages of evolution, these like dinosaur type things and the creatures who lived in the water before there were creatures on earth. You know, like if I was more of a, how do you say, mystical person, like that would be my evolutionary story. <laughs> oh, I like, let's appreciate that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I always liked, uh, so when I was a kid, I remember um, Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who. <laughs> but the third Doctor, I think it wasn't the first episode. Yeah, it was it was it was uh Spearheads from Space, his very first episode. I think that was like what 1970. The Autons showed up and they're plastic people and they come out and all the mannequins come alive and, and bust out of the store. And that puts me in the mind of that. It's like where my mind just keeps on picturing this old Doctor Who mannequins as you're telling me about this. Yeah. And I'm like, I love it. <laughs> well, we had like a great moment in our play test where one of our friends tried to climb because there's like half walls mm-hmm. in like a giant warehouse. Yeah. So he starts like throwing pallets over the wall so he can jump over to the other side. And every time he throws a pallet, a mannequin goes and stacks it on top of the other ones. And he's like loving this like helpful mannequin. (laughs) So he tosses one at the mannequin and hits it and breaks an arm off. And now the mannequin is aggro. It's like throwing pieces of wood at him and trying to kill him. That sounds like a normal day at work to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Definitely uh, had a few pallets in my life. I've stacked up. Oh yeah, I grew up in a warehouse, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a thing. Those pallet jacks. Oh my goodness, they put pallets up and they put them on the truck sideways, and all you got is a pallet jack to get in there. Ooh. Anyways, that's a side note. (laughs) Mm -hmm, No. Back to game. So you've written other things as well, and I want. We wanted to talk a little bit about your game history too. Yeah, I can start kind of from the beginning. So I have a kind of weird history. I was born in Mexico, but my mom is American. Mm -hmm. And she made sure I spoke English. 
So we would speak it in the house and then I'd speak Spanish, you know, at school and stuff like that. Yeah. And she gave me a lot of books in English. So, you know, I'm reading The Hobbit in English and reading like, uh, I'm a big, uh, what is it called? Narnia guy, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. But uh, I had a lot of choose your own adventure books and later uh, fighting fantasy. Oh, and I started like uh, basically setting up the fighting fantasy stats on my action figure. So we would like roll the two dice and like try to have them defeat each other. My mom tells my aunt who lives in the U.S. and my aunt is like, well, shit, that's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so they got me like a basic box set. And that was the start of it, basically. That's great. That like when we discussed what we did when we first discovered role playing games. We had no idea what to do. So we were just making character sheets for action yeah. figures, trying to fight them. <laughs> I love exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> so we did that for some years. But what would happen is I would take trips to the U.S. and like buy stuff from used bookstores. Mm -hmm. So like I played Marvel superheroes, but I had everything except for the rule book. Oh, no. So I was like, okay, I have to make up rules that <laughs> work with this face rip stat block and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Like. Vampire the Masquerade was too expensive, so we adapted it to like one of my systems. Mm -hmm. You know, Rifts was uh, uh, really cool in the catalogs, but we could never get our hands on it. So I just created this crazy ley line, everything goes world. And like, you know, I made all my own systems at home for like maybe 15 years or something like that. That's great. I love it. I love it. So, and, and that's the thing, like, gamers, part of it is, is you've got to be creative if you're in this hobby. You know, that's just, that is, it's a hobby of creativity. Uh, and I yeah. think it's one of the things I've been trying to uh, always been a fan of is the fact that there's a lot of people are out there putting their stuff out and nobody, like there's a lot of folks who aren't getting a chance to see it or able to get out there because we don't have the big corporation behind us no. for marketing, but there's wonderful games out there. Now, some of the other stuff that you've written, I'm curious to to know about it. We had a big Blades in the Dark phase. You know, we did a good, like, a year of it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I have on my itch is I have uh, kind of like an advanced heritage. Uh, do you play Blades in the Dark, or have you checked it out? I have not played it yet, and uh, and uh, it's one of those... It's one of those that's been on my wish list forever. I just haven't had the money to pick it up. There's, oh. there's Blades in the Dark, yeah. and there's, there's the other one that just... What's the other one? There's like three. I know of them, there's right? Scum and Villainy, and there's uh there's a third Band of one. Blades. Band of Blades is the one thing. So there's Scum and Villainy, which is like Star Wars, and then Band of. So I, I want those books real bad. I just haven't had the money to pick them yeah. up. And you might end up having the problem I had, which there wasn't just for me. There wasn't enough of it. Mm -hmm. Like I got the one book, you know, I was happy with that, but yeah. stuff like the heritage is it would like basically say the country, but that was it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm a hacker guy i have to come up with mechanics for each country you know give them a list of special abilities they can get and give them yeah. unique items that they can have so you know that's what i brought to my table and it's contrary to canon for a lot of people mm -hmm. but for a lot of other people it's like hell yeah this is what i wanted and it wasn't in the book yeah, excellent excellent yeah i have yet to pick it up i'm curious about what's the system like yeah for so it's basically a modified powered by the apocalypse that they call forged in the dark mm -hmm. and it's uh roll dice keep the highest result so you're hoping to get a six a four to five is you know success with a consequence and one through three is you know just abject failure and then the dm can kind of do whatever he wants and yeah, it's a very simple, very clean system, but then it has like 10 or 15 subsystems bolted along the edges, like downtime and stress and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. um, I'm a big fan of it, 
again, it's just one of those things where it's like, I got to hack. So I start <laughs> hacking it like the moment I read it. Yeah, that needs to be, I think that needs to be very soon on the things that I check out as the Blades in the yeah. Dark, Scum and Villainy and, and Band of Blades. It's Band of Blades, the other one, right? Band of. Yeah, and that one I definitely have not checked out, but I'm curious about, you know, it looks like a big like armies thing. Yeah, it, it's it's in it, uh like I've been really attracted to D6 systems, especially the last couple of years. Uh, for some reason, I feel like I'm, I'm a fan of GURPS. I'm a fan of the year zero yeah. engine. There's so many of them out there. It's just and there's some they're really solid. And I think that, like I've said a few times, I think some people tend to be dismissive of a D6 system because they want to roll their 20s and their 8s, mm-hmm. and which I get to some extent. There's kind of a beauty in that six-sided die and the simplicity yeah. of well, it. Well, <laughs> the D6 is the people's dice. If you have Monopoly, you can play my game. Yeah, it's the one that's accessible, the one that you can find most of the time, uh, especially in a lot of places. I think there are some areas where it's easier to get a hold of. Like when I got into gaming, we couldn't find 20-sided dice at first. No. You know, I had a couple dice that came with a dragon a dragon raid box set that I had when I was a kid, but we stole them from the math closet at schools where we found them. <laughs> In Mexico, the polyhedral dice were relics. Like people would see them and they're like, I've never seen this before. And if they get lost, you'll never see them again. <laughs> oh no. He disappeared. Well, it's it's luckily I've got plenty of dice. I don't need any oh, at this yeah. point in time. <laughs> but I've turned into a dice goblin in my adulthood. <laughs> but here's the thing is I have so many dice, but I don't feel like I'm buying them a lot. But when I do buy them, it's been so many decades since I have that they've just accumulated yep. over the years. Don't go away. I've got all these fate dice. I've never played fate. <laughs> I don't have the fate dice. Uh, I need to pick some up. I got the I got the book for fate, and that's one of those ones that sat on the shelf since I bought it. And yeah. I have yet to check it out or have the time to go through it. I have so many games I need to get through. I just need the day to be about 48 hours of free time. So Exactly. <laughs> and that's why we started a role-playing club. Basically, every two weeks, we have a game. And every four or five sessions, we change the system. So, you know, we did Blades in the Dark. We did uh, Kids on Bikes. We did, oh, my God, we did uh, Brindlewood Bay. I was so excited when oh. we had Jason Cordobon. Because I cannot stress enough how much better his system is <laughs> than most like mystery systems. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, uh, yeah, I like. I like. I need to get. I need to get that. I think. I don't think that's delivered. Is Brindlewood Bay? Is that out physically right now? I can't even recall. I think. Uh, so I only have it in PDF, but I, I did do the Kickstarter for the newer edition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I, I I that's one I definitely want to be checking out. We I spoke to him and and I'm I'm very interested in trying out the mystery system that he has yeah. going on there. It's something that I think we have a lot of fun. Like we do our Wednesday night games where we swap mm-hmm. up games. It takes a little bit of time to get through games that night, but you know we slowly work our way through. So I, I think some of those are definitely ones we're gonna have to try to throw up on our Wednesday night games there. And check yeah. out. What's spectacular about the mystery system is I kept reminding my friends that I do not know who did it. I, you know, they would stress out like, oh, we can't miss a clue. We can't like, you know, avoid this. We can't like not interview everyone. And I'm like, guys, I have no idea what it is. There's no way you guys are losing. Just accumulate enough clues and give me a good hypothesis. And then like Brindlewood Bay was fun because I'm also a horror author. You know, I'm big in like the no sleep community and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, we're, like, little ladies, but I was, like, throwing some, like, really strong images at them and dad or really strong images in, like, the Ikea game where, like, friends are, like, later, like, that was fun, but that eyeball in, like, the tub of frosting, 
That was kind of gnarly. <laughs> so we're coming close to time, but I want to ask yeah. you, I'm going to ask you a couple of things before you leave. Could you real quick tell it? You said you, you just dropped something. You said you're, you're a horror author. Could you give us a quick yeah. idea what you're doing there? You said that no sleep community is what you said. Yeah. So no sleep is a Reddit community where mm. it's uh, stories in first person mm. and they have to be believable, like something random that you found online. Yeah. So I, finally published a collection of those, which has been doing pretty well. And that's like, you know, stories that are just very weird horror, like, you know, an air conditioner that kills somebody, <laughs> you know, sentient bed bugs. Um, <laughs> I don't want to give away too many plots, but, you know, we've got a cursed metal t-shirt, <laughs> a killer mosh pit. I mean, half of the stories take place at concerts. <laughs> There's even somebody who gets hooked on uh, snorting someone's ashes. Oh, no. <laughs> That's interesting. Could you tell the listeners where they can find you online and where they can pick up your stuff? Yeah. So they can find me on itch, and it would be uh, my name, Javier Lucino.itch.io. Uh, it probably doesn't make it easy on them, but <laughs> hopefully there's a show note that they can click. We can p- we'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> and they can pick up my uh, PDF there. I only have my print copy of uh, my short stories on Amazon, but, you know, I don't want to push people to Amazon. And is there any place else they can check it out? Or is that... That's okay. it All for right. now. Uh, and that's going to be growing with every week because I'm finally shutting up about being a designer and actually being a designer. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great getting a chance to talk. Yeah, this was really exciting. And... uh Glad to finally get on the show after listening to it so much. Yeah, thank you for listening. I it really and all of you out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and now TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We can really use the support. Patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.